I call it the McDonald's strategy because you go to McDonald's and the food's not high quality, but it's the best because they give you the salt, the sugar, the fat, right? So what is the salt, sugar, fat of a deal? Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the show. I've got a good one for you here today. My guest, Alex Berman, is the chairman of Experiment 27, and he is operating, uh, before the age of 30, a pretty impressive business. He started running an agency, talks about that transition, but it is now a, a pretty interesting B2B business platform doing a substantial amount of revenue. And we talk about how that all fits together, his online courses, his agency services, the 50,000 YouTube subscribers and associated advertising revenue. Alex has also experimented with writing Hollywood scripts and a bunch of other creative endeavors. And this conversation kind of bounces all over the place as we explore those things, see how they fit together. My biggest takeaway was Alex is supremely unencumbered by the thought processes or the doubts or the concerns that usually trip just about everyone else up. He's very clear-eyed. Uh, he, he does not get in his own way, and that's why he's accomplished so much uh, here before the age of 30. Uh, I'm trying to learn from that. I think that you will value from it as well. Here is my conversation with Alex Berman. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I'm excited to be talking with you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Aaron. You've had a prolific 2020. I want to rattle off some of the stats, and this is just me regurgitating a tweet that you put out recently. Recorded 144 YouTube videos, four webinars, 20, painted 25 paintings, wrote two feature film scripts, 39 short film scripts, directed two short films, learned how to options trade, put a nonfiction book proposal in and broke 50,000 subs on YouTube. So the first question, Alex, is if you had to put at the top of the list, the thing that you personally look back on with the most amount of pride outside the context of how other people evaluate it, what of those on the list is at the top of your list? What on the, what on that list at the top of my list? I think it's just the ideas. I'm definitely running two parallel tracks. I've got the art track and the business track. I don't know. I think it's all, it's all the same thing. I try to see it as the same thing. Like the 50 subs on 50 K subs on YouTube is just like a stepping stone for what what's about to happen. I think we're about to hit exponential growth. Um, the movie stuff's cool, but actually like I I've, I've moved. Um, I'm, I'm kind of evolving on the movie thing to try to make more um, I think fiction books, because what I found is a movie costs a hundred grand to pull off. But if I'm writing a book, I can just do it myself. So I have, I've only made one long film, so it's hard to, it's hard, it's hard to double down on that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't got, I don't have one highlight. I think this year specifically was amazing uh, just for new skills, just literally new skill acquisition, learning trading, I think was crazy. Learning webinars was crazy. I, I bought my second business. I just acquired a business uh, yesterday. <laughs> so um, I think the biggest, the biggest learnings are all coming in this last week. Cause I think it's, it's stuff that's not even listed there. Like, yeah, man, I, I feel like we're opening the door now to the next phase. 2021 is going to be insane. So my read, and, and maybe this is just my kind of selfish perspective, but my read of a lot of folks that have some sort of entrepreneurial aspiration, maybe there's a little bit of, of uh, financial independence. Maybe there's a little bit of, I just loathe 
who I work for or some sort of position that I'm in. I'm trying to get out of that and escape it. But another expression to me is kind of representative in that summary of the year, which is I did all these things and they're kind of disparate. They're kind of all over the place, like options traders and short film producers. Usually there's, there's a very kind of shallow Venn diagram of the two. And so what I was hoping to do for folks in this conversation is kind of walk through the, the track that got you to this point. Cause you've worked hard. You've done a lot of kind of steps in order to, you know, uncrack that nut, so to speak. And so uh, to kind of take things back, you were, uh, you became the director of marketing at a mobile app development company in New York. And you started to just really figure out how to generate leads and became so proficient at it that you decided to then make that your own business and your own thing that you were scaling. So can you kind of talk about how you recognize that opportunity and when you made the leap to doing it for yourself? Sure. So I was at that agency. Um, It was me, I was on a sales team with a few other salespeople. Like I was the most junior guy on the team. One guy had been there for a couple of years. There was a director of sales. And then the two founders were all sharing. It was about 14 leads a month were coming into this agency. They were making, I don't know, five, six million a year, something like that off of 14 leads a month. And we had our targets that we had to hit. I think I had to sell like 750K. And I realized I wasn't gonna be able to do that with 14 leads a month. Not when all those other sales guys are taking the big leads. <laughs> so I focused on a couple of things. At first, I focused on getting um, getting their trash. So like they would come in hungover and I'd be up at 7 a.m. ready to go. So they'd just be like, yeah, man, you want to take the meeting today? <laughs> Stuff like that. Or like, I'd be like, hey, can I write your proposal for you and get like a percentage of their deal? So I was able to tie myself to a lot of deals that way. And then, yeah, I just started posting on Quora. I started making YouTube videos. I started doing a bunch of these SEO tactics. I found a couple directories, were listed in directories, messing around with sponsorships. And we boosted their leads considerably. Um, it was so long ago now. I think it was like 14 leads to 140 leads a month, something like that. Um, the founder, Tom, recorded this awesome video testimonial when we decided to launch our own business. He said we grew their bottom line by 16%. We added literally a million dollars in booked revenue. Like during that seven month period that I was <laughs> crazy into marketing for them. So... I, once I saw that happen, I realized if I could grow their agency and I want to niche down, why don't I grow other agencies? So then we started reaching out to other agencies and selling a marketing review, selling a marketing. And I mean, it was just basically we were, we were blowing up. We we're sending cold emails to start. Um, I remember posting this Reddit post. It was basically like one of those braggy entrepreneurship posts because we, we booked 400,000 in annual recurring revenue in like 30, 45 days. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was insane. So, I mean, it just all kind of happened. Like once it clicked, it really clicked. Because before then I was up at 7 to 9 a.m. just sending cold emails, trying to build this business, targeting startups. But as soon as I decided to go after agencies, it was like instant success. And so was the service that you were selling right off the bat your skills as a cold emailer? Or was there a different, what, how, how did those two things fit together? Sure. So I was doing a little bit of cold email, but my main expertise um, and what we still do at X27 is we do cold email and lead gen. That's like our main thing now but we also do marketing strategy. So the first thing that worked for the agency I was working with was breaking down the marketing channel. So like Quora, sponsorships, directories, cold email was one of those. Um, cold email just happened to be the one that like went viral on YouTube or whatever. That's, that's what everyone likes now. But all the, all the channels work, all, all those channels work. So that's what we were and selling. So the main offer was an $8,500 marketing review. Gotcha. Okay, so, uh, so 
what you without a doubt became known for was the cold email side of things. And what you, what was really interesting there is number one, you let your winners ride. So if people like that, if they want more of it, you find ways to bring that to them. But my other read of, of how you were able to develop there is you then were able to segment out of a niche. So if cold emailing is the niche, there's certain folks that want to pay you at scale. You know, you do it for me, you, you run the whole system. And then there's the folks that don't quite have the same budget. So you developed an online course and we're able to kind of segment the buyers in that way. Yeah. Email 10 K. Um, and actually if you go to the, to the funnel right now, email 10 K.com, you'll see there's a little chat bot and it asks people now, do you want the done for you or the done with you? The done with you is the course. And then it pitches them on the course, the done for you, it sends them right to the X 27 site. So yeah, it's all just like cross marketing and <laughs> sending people all over the place. And one of the other things that you did in addition to the cold email that was super effective, I would, I would imagine in garnering email addresses was giving away your standard sales agreement that you were using for your own company as uh, a way to say, hey, give me your email and I'll give you our kind of standard sales agreement that we paid a thousand dollars for lawyers to do. I ended up using it. That is literally, we've since like added to it and kind of figured out where there were gaps in it. But as someone who was starting out with my own agency, I didn't know the first thing about how to put a sales agreement together and no one else was offering that. Like I literally would have had to spend that same amount of money myself if I hadn't come across your content. So it was a very kind of like differentiated offering. That's really interesting to know. Yeah, that's, um, I think we have that one and then the 50 subject lines to test are our two most popular ones. But yeah, man, I think it's insane. And one of the things I did today was I updated the contract because now what I realized is that video that you watched, it's still getting clicks, still getting views, but it's old content. And I feel like we could do that video. Hey, here's the content. Here's the contract. We could do that every six months and just change little stuff. Like you said, there's little improvements that need to be made. I agree. We already improved them uh, for this new video that's coming out. Um, so yeah, I think from a, from a strategic standpoint, that's cool that that's working, but yeah, it could be repeated over and over again. And so at what point did you start to make the decision to automate yourself out and, and delegate your way out of having to hold all the reins for everything? Oh man. Okay. So we had originally succeeded. I posted that Reddit post. We we're doing awesome. I bought a car and I moved to, and I was like so excited. I was going to like move to Wichita and like start my life over. I was living in, and then I did that and I had my own nomadic area. I was booking sales meetings. I was doing all this stuff. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go on vacation, right? It's like, uh, you know, that's, that's fun. I'm going to go to Paris for two weeks. So I flew to Paris. And then because my calendar was so stacked with sales meetings, I had to be up at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in the morning. I was so jet lagged. And then I was like, why would I, why, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, I just want, I want to go see the Eiffel Tower or at least sleep at 3 a.m. You know, I don't want to have to be tied to this business. So my co-founder, um, Robert, who was basically my second in command. I made him the CEO of X27 and he loved it. He likes being, being the CEO. And so then I kind of was able to take a step back and focus more on the content creation. And I was in really like a semi-retirement period for a solid year and a half after that one decision. And that's when I started doing all the movie stuff. And like, I was trying to be a stand-up comedian for a while, like all that. But this year and like the end of last year, I got the online course is what got me back. Now I'm working again. <laughs> well, well, was elevating him to the CEO, was it as, that almost sounds like simplistic in the sense that like you had to have laid some foundation or some groundwork in order to make that possible? Or can you, can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah. When you, when you meet a good guy, <laughs> when you meet a good guy, you give it, you give him power and you see how he does. And then if he's bad, you fire him. <laughs> that is simplistic, dude. Everyone has all this like complicated shit. They're like, oh, can I curse on this podcast or no? 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Everyone has all this complicated stuff where they, they think you need like an SOP statements and procedures and you need all these training videos and all this stuff. If you hire a competent CEO, yeah, there's going to be bumps in the road. We had to have some conversations and like I had to shake them a little bit, but it's, it's worked. So I, I don't know. And then I've had, I've done this uh, a couple other times. I had somebody I was working with on the course. Um, he was running user acquisition for that course and it wasn't working out after six months and we got rid of him. And then I started running it for a while. I, I just hired a new guy last week who's doing it now. So if you're willing to take the risk on moving out of the business and getting somebody in there, you'll find somebody eventually to, to, to take it over. And you won't, if you find somebody good, you're not gonna have to, like if somebody hired you, right? If, if I was like, hey, Aaron, I have a social media agency, run it for me. You'd be able to do it. I wouldn't need to give you anything. It's true. You have a way of making things exceptionally simple <laughs> and not getting hung up on the, I don't know, the, the things that tend to make people stumble in their own head. Mm -hmm. Have you always been like that? Have I always been like that? I think it's the only way I can understand stuff, bro. <laughs> like, I just got to really boil it down to the basics. Otherwise, it's all too complex. <laughs> like even Fair with enough. options trading, like uh, one of the biggest opportunities I identified this year was Zynga which is a gaming company. It's up 30% from when I invested in it a couple months ago. And it was because I was listening to the CEO talk about like how he wants to grow the company. And it just reminded me so much of Howard Schultz's book, one of my favorite books, um, when he was talking about how he rebooted Starbucks step-by-step. Step. So I was like, this guy's rebooting Zynga the same way that Howard Schultz rebooted Starbucks. I wonder if that's going to work out. Might as well invest in it. <laughs> Damn. Did you have any lawyers get mad at you for giving away the sales agreement template like that? No. No one said anything. Everyone loves it. I yeah, everyone loves that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I loved it. I just it, I was oh, it was shocking when you did it because I never saw someone else give away like, like basically like someone else did this work for me. Here you go for free, which is completely reasonable in a, a free free society. It was just it struck me as bold when I saw it. It's interesting, and I like I like this interview already because I'm like, how do I do that again? Because I don't yeah. think we've been taking enough risks, honestly, uh, especially in the last especially in the last two three years. I think we need to be going even crazier with, with the risks that we're taking. Uh, free contract, I think is one thing. I think speaking opinions on public companies, the reason why I'm talking about Zynga, the reason why I tweet about Tesla stock right now, it's because I feel like there's not enough people giving these opinions and you can just kind of inject yourself into society, like into the, into the conversation there. So from like a, just a marketing point of view, I'm trying to do that more. And then, yeah, giving away free contracts, just like shaking things up, I think is where real uh, exponential growth comes from. Yeah. And often, oftentimes I'll, I'll see what other folks are posting and, and you can kind of tell it's not particularly working well. And it's because it's more or less exactly what anyone else would do. So by the very nature of just, Hey, this is a little uncomfortable, a little scary, definitely not something most people are giving away. You immediately differentiate yourself. Yeah. And I think that's, I don't know if that's one reason why our content does well, but like, if you look at just the titles of our content, it looks the same as everyone else's stuff. Like, you know, how to connect instantly with a prospect, but then you watch the video and I'm talking about actually the day that we were talking later that day, I met with these two people that were in the church of Scientology and I didn't know it until they started talking really like profoundly about Grant Cardone. And I was about to say this joke, like, oh, you know, he's a Scientologist, right? And their response to that was, yeah, we know, we see him in the Scientology magazine. <laughs> So I had to like hold back on that, but it's telling stories like that because there are people that work with the church of Scientology, uh, that wouldn't tell that story out of fear. You know, uh, yeah. we made a lot, we made a lot off them by the way. So I, <laughs> I don't mind the church of Scientology too much, but I think it is just having opinions and speaking when it, cause that differentiates, you know, the, the content itself.
Makes sense. So speaking of your content, I have a bone to pick with you as well. Yeah. So one of my favorite videos that you've done was the John Legere video, which is like three years ago. And you had this little period where you did, you kind of went away from the cold emailing or the standard, like, like how to of business videos. And you did these intensive, like how Joe Rogan asks a question. He did one about dead mouse. He did these more sportway ones. Why aren't you doing those anymore? Why am I not doing those? I just actually did one on Pfizer. I like them. I don't know. I like them. They take a lot of research. I, I actually really do love doing them. We test them because every time I talk to a YouTube consultant, they're like, do more of these videos because they perform the best. But then we try it and it doesn't really perform as well. So I don't know. It's just performance. Who knows? Well, I might do more. Yeah, I, they're so fascinating. And, and for me, who's a, a fellow business nerd and just loves mm -hmm. like better understanding that stuff, I think even the research process would be fun. But when someone does that research on my behalf and I kind of get the distilled version, I love that yeah. with MBA videos. I love that with business videos. It might be a, it's a good idea for a second channel or something. I, I do think there's the problem with the YouTube algorithm is when we talk about cold email, our videos do really well. When we talk about anything else, like those movie videos, the podcast, like all that stuff underperformed like crazy uh, versus the, just this business con like this year, I think we've grown, you know, 15, 20%, which, you know, it's not the best growth, but <laughs> uh, in terms of the subscribers, but it's because we're playing the algorithm the right way. So who knows? I do think there it's a combo. It needs to be, you need to have those SEO driven videos, but then we also need like the big, I, I think, I think we need those big, like newsworthy videos as well. So in terms of the approach that you've taken, I've, I've heard you reference, so you referenced a, a YouTube consultant here. And when you kind of got really into Hollywood and trying to write these scripts and figure out how to put movies together, you hired different consultants to rip scripts apart. It sounds like that's a, a part of your process for getting better at things is trying to hack your knowledge as quickly as possible by hiring someone. Yeah. Paying for mentors. Just this year, I hired a script helper to work on the outline for the, the second movie that I wrote, uh, Speedrunners. Um, but also I hired three different webinar experts. I hired uh, two different Facebook ads expert, a YouTube ads expert. I think those are all the experts. And then I maybe spent $8,000 in courses just on top of that. Uh, so yeah, man, I, I think if you can find somebody that's doing it and you hire them, uh, you're good to go. And sometimes the consultants turn into employees like the, or not employees, but you know, partners or whatever you want to call them. Uh, like the guy that we, the final guy, Carlos, that we hired to work on email 10K is now, I call him our director of client acquisition. He's basically running that small business unit of, of email 10K now, uh, which is our business course. So sometimes they become employees. If, if you can sell them on the dream. Uh, that was another thing I started doing this year was studying Steve Jobs and how he actually convinces people to, to work with him by making them do what they already were going to do, but just do it for him. <laughs> so how did, so how has that changed how you've run your different businesses? Okay. So from a management point of view, instead of saying stuff like we need to hit $10 million this year, like you don't just go into a meeting and say that you talk to the CEO and you're like, what do you want? And then they'll be like, oh, you know, I just want a good life for my family. And then you're like, what does that look like? They're like, oh, you know, I would love to have like a, a big house overlooking the mountains in Romania. And then I'm like, all right, cool. What do we need to do to get that house? He's like, you know, I, I feel like we need to sell $2 million like in the next quarter. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> that's all. That's all. You, that's all it is. <laughs> But, it, but it's basically the same idea of what you said before is if, you know, most of these people are competent. If you find the right competent person, they can kind of find their way to the goals as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, they want to do it. He wants the house. How's he going to get the house? He needs to, he needs to close the deals, you know? <laughs> 
am I right in the interpretation that you're highly motivated by the creative freedom of going in any direction entrepreneurially? Like how much, how would you weigh that if on the other side of the scale was more like, you know, creating jobs for other people, these other, these other kind of like truisms or naphorisms that come by why someone pursues something entrepreneurial. I am such a big fan of being able to do whatever I want. Like one of my biggest, one of my biggest mentors was Howard Hughes and he had, you know, this Howard Hughes drill bit company, but like he also had RKO studios, movie studios. He owned airlines. He bought half of Las Vegas. Like, yeah, he ended up going crazy in his later years, but when he was young, you know, he's a playboy, dude, he's killing it. <laughs> so I, I'm very much a fan of, of that. Yeah. Just being able to have the resources that I need to do what I want to do. And what I've learned now, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm pushing 30 now. I'm not 30 yet. Close. Sheesh. But as, I, as I'm getting older, I'm learning that the easiest way to do that is to say things like, I'm just in it for the jobs. You know, I want to give people in India the opportunity to make four times what they would make in their local towns. You know, I could say stuff like that and I feel it. It, it actually does enrich me. And that's actually a big change this year versus I think in the last few years, I really was just more in like the hyperachiever mode. Interesting. The Going Deep podcast is underwritten by Piper Creative. Shooting, editing, and publishing quality content is overwhelming. We make it easy so you can save time, build your brand, and grow faster. Say hello at pipercreative.co. So in terms of that freedom, one of the ratchets, as anyone would know, for unlocking that type of stuff is financial resources. But I would also imagine that that kind of core competency that started the whole ride, cold email, has been a similar unlock for all these different moves. Can you talk about how that's been a transferable skill and any other skills that you've found like, oh, I didn't even know that this would work over here. I thought it only worked over there. Sure. I think the directness in cold email. Um, so basically, I think the directness in cold email has gone into everything, like the way we do YouTube videos, the way that we do everything. Um, and it basically is, well, the, the formula is um, you're awesome. Like the person you're talking to, you're awesome. I'm qualified. Let's do some business together. Just one, two, three. And that's, you know, the tweets that you send if you're trying to pitch somebody, that's the emails you send. Um, and yeah, man, I think that's transformed everything. Uh, the, the business that I just bought yesterday um, was somebody else's online course. They make 60K a year. And I ended up buying it for $2,000 down just because we were so aligned on the vision. But that was just from a, just a cold tweet. I was like, hey, looking for businesses in the B2B space. I want equity and we can build something awesome together. And that's like, if you, you can basically like, I, I, I think of it, I call it the McDonald's strategy because you go to McDonald's and the food's not high quality, but it's the best because they give you the salt, the sugar, the fat, right? So what is the salt, sugar, fat of a deal? You know, it's like, I want to work with a qualified person. I want to work with someone who likes me and I want to work with somebody who's going to make me a lot of money. So if you can say all of that to somebody in one sentence, that's, that's it. <laughs> Word. Can you talk about how you structure something like that? Like, is that person still involved? And because of your, you're, you're kind of bringing like, Hey, my marketing competence or my audience or whatever can turn this into a substantially larger thing if we do it together. Oh, for, for that one. No, it's better for him to be gone because what we have is we've got basically an education. What I didn't realize until like a couple of weeks ago is we have an education startup built within email 10 K, right? We have community managers. We're doing weekly calls already coaching call. Like we have all this stuff. So now all we need is more leads through that funnel. He's teaching marketing. It's a marketing course. So no, it's actually better if he's gone because now we can take his customers and basically improve the course and then get them on coaching plans. We can upsell. Like there's a lot we can do with that asset with him completely removed from it. So no, I, I, I prefer when they're, when they're gone, you know? <laughs> 
and he got an earnout. So it wasn't just a 2K down. He got an earnout. Um, I think I paid him 25K, but only based on the revenue that the course is going to generate in the future. Interesting. And so, so you were tweeting about it and then that was just an inbound lead and you made it happen. That was one of three, um, which is amazing because the other two are these SaaS companies in the B2B marketing space, exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. So one was, in, one was a B2B SaaS tool uh, that does, it's kind of like a, an email sending tool, kind of like Mailshake, because I think we have this B2B platform. We're known as tool reviewers. We should own some tools um, or at least get equity in tools. So one was that. And one is a LinkedIn automation tool, similar to uh, Zopto, which is one of our sponsors from YouTube. So what I actually think, um, yeah, so I, I just kind of put it out there and I got some in. Um, but what that made me realize, you talked about how cold email has influenced things. Um, what that made me realize is if you just ask for stuff in the right way, it happens, bro. I've been looking for a B2B software company to acquire for a long time. And it comes back to the Steve Jobs thing. I was talking to the CEO of X27 and he was like, you know, man, I don't really want to do cold email fulfillment anymore. I was like, what do you want to do instead? He's like, oh, I want to run a SaaS, dude. I want to change the world. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, me too, bro. Let me go find a SaaS. And he loves it. He's in it, you know? And, and so what I'm also hearing is like, I've studied these different media entities and you often see, it's almost actually like all the way up to the Amazon idea of turning a cost center into a business. So they started like, wow, we have to, you know, handle all these servers for ourselves. What if we made this super efficient and then started selling it to other people and you got AWS, but it, in smaller media entities, you start seeing that, Hey, we really, in the same way that like a great marketing agency is creating way more value than they're delivering for the client a great media entity with distribution that can actually convert and is like the best affiliate when um, someone comes in is like, hey, here's an affiliate commission deal. They start to say, well, let's stop taking an affiliate commission and let's start actually having equity in that solution that we're selling because that's just a, a higher leverage tool for distribution. It sounds like that's basically what you're doing with these types of acquisitions. Yeah, except we never took affiliate. Um, so this year, or this year we started selling sponsorships on the YouTube channel. So I just saw all these software companies that were paying us like, $5,000 for a video, $10,000 for a video. I was like, where are these people getting all this money, dude? I want, I want to run one of those. <laughs> and I, if they're getting value, if, if they're getting value out of me talking about them for six minutes for $10,000, like, I mean, I could get $10,000 worth of value by me talking about my own thing. Yeah, that was basically it. <laughs> and, and so did they find you because you just had that niche and there aren't that many, you know, channels with distribution for the kind of content that you're making? Or were you out soliciting those sponsorship deals for the channel? So a lot of them come to us, we get pitched a lot and, and it's increasing with more subs. So actually I'm thinking about investing super heavily in YouTube ads just for views to drive our, our sub count up. Like I'm talking 10, 15 grand a month just into that, I think would be a, a good payout. Because like, I mean, if a sponsor is gonna pay you 15 grand, you close one a month, it pays for the whole growth strategy. But no, what I have been doing recently is breaking down all the different parts of the Alex Berman brand into different uh, small business units, SBUs, they call them. So basically email 10K is an SBU. Uh, the YouTube channel is an SBU. Sponsorships by itself is a small business unit. Uh, you know, the agency, like all this stuff. And each one should have its own CEO, its own sales team, and each one should have its own growth metrics. And that's the way you just kind of spiderweb your way up into the stratosphere. Makes sense. And then you just need a little bit of connective tissue so that if, you know, some lead comes in, that would be perfect for one unit. You know, you're able, if they're collecting another unit to like throw them over there once you're, you're done with them. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk corporate synergy, but there's a reason why everyone says corporate synergy. What that means is business is working together. So it's, it's exactly like what you're talking about. Okay. They come to, they're watching the Alex Berman videos. They're watching my videos and they want to learn more about cold emailing. Well, are they going to buy our cold emailing tool? Are they going to sign up for one of our free lead magnets? Are they going to have us do this for them? Are they going to join one of our courses? Like they're not cannibalizing each other. They're not overlapping services. And actually somebody could buy everything and it'd be totally cool. And we we've actually had some people that have come to X27, we're doing work for them. And then they also buy email 10K on top of that. And you could argue that there's even the potential for greater retention and lock-in because if you start, you know, training people and they're using the software that you've developed, you've basically, you know, people always talk about like adding services on top of a SaaS platform from a business model standpoint, you're basically bootstrapping that. Yeah. And it, and it kills me thinking about it too, because we've had, we have a, a partnership deal with Mailshake and with Lemlist where they're giving us basically, I don't, I don't even know if I should say this publicly, we're getting like, you know, some benefits in exchange for talking about the tools in our courses. Cause I loved Mailshake so much, but then Lemlist came out. I reached out to Lemlist and got the same kind of deal, but why are they doing that for me? That's, that's the only thing that I'm like, why are they doing that for me? They're making a crap load of money off me. Yeah. I want my own tool and I can come up with a better tool. <laughs> buy one. <laughs> well, it makes sense. And, and it's also, you know, like in any vertical, if there is someone and, and maybe, I don't know if you uh, wince at the influencer moniker, but it's, it's a good kind of catch-all uh, industry agnostic, but like the person that is doing makeup tutorials on YouTube is actually really finely attuned to mm -hmm. what the market wants from makeup product day and then has that competitive advantage. You would have a similar thing. If you're, if you're teaching people to cold email and you know exactly the workflow that you've tested through hundreds of thousands of emails to know what's most efficient. And I think the scale is something people don't realize. Like you, you would look at someone like me or like any of the other guests you've had on this podcast, you'd be like, the, you know, like Noah Kagan's rich. But then like, I'm listening to like the H3H3 podcast and like this girl, Trisha is on there who's doing OnlyFans and she's just casually mentions that she's making a million dollars a month. <laughs> so, but the reason why she can do that is she has 4 million subs. I have 50,000 subs. She has 4 million subs and it seems like that's close, but it's not close. Like if I had 4 million subs, I would be making way more than a million a month, not on an OnlyFans. <laughs> I'd be making a billion a month, you know? Absolutely. And I think people don't understand that scale. Like I was talking about, or you were talking about Joe Rogan earlier. He got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars from Spotify. And what people don't realize is like, when you get millions of people to watch you, there's so much money there, dude. Corporations kill for that kind of stuff. And it, yeah. almost everyone's under monetized. Yeah. And that, that's the thing when, when people reported that like it was a nine figure deal for Joe Rogan, I, I, I couldn't quite believe that it was like just a hundred million dollars to lock up all his content for three years and not allow it to be on any other platform. To me, as crazy as that seems in terms of a sum of money, if you really think about just like basic CPM rates mm -hmm. on just YouTube or just the podcast, it has to be way more than that. Yeah, well, what I was, for Joe Rogan specifically, he's got a lot of these alt-right guys on. And I think what happens when you start talking to Alex Jones and stuff, you start worrying that you're going to get canceled next. So actually, if I was Joe Rogan, I also would have taken the, taken the money. Um, Howard Stern did a really good move when he went to Sirius XM because he would have been canceled by now too. Like sometimes it just makes sense to take that small amount of money. And de-risk. Because mm -hmm. he's rich. You know, he's fine. He's, he's, he's got enough. Yeah, move to Texas, pay less state taxes too. Yeah. Although I do got to say, it's harder to find the podcast now. It's buried.
I have Spotify. I pay for Spotify. I, it's just not the same. You know, you, I used to be able to scroll through YouTube and it would just pop up. So I do think just like when Howard Stern joined uh, Sirius, you're going to see a big decrease in the amount of viewers and the amount of uh, influence he has. But yeah, he cashed out because I feel like he was going to get canceled. And you'll see it in like two years, man. So this is the second time I'm referencing porn. All right. Pornhub <laughs> has just removed all content that is not from a verified Pornhub account. All right. And people could be like, oh, it's porn. Who cares? Imagine YouTube did that. Imagine YouTube removed every video that wasn't from somebody with a check mark. You know, that's not Marquez Brownlee or like, you know, any of those like main YouTubers. Imagine how devastating that would be to anyone that wasn't on that platform. You know, iDubs would be gone. Uh, Joe Rogan would probably be gone. So it's just like these companies can do that in a second and you're just gone. That's it. <laughs> not even for being alt-right or anything. It's just like, Oh yeah, we, we don't want the risk anymore. So we're just going to do, you know, we're controlling all our content now. You're off. So when you think about de-risking your own business through that lens, not that, you know, cold emailing people is particularly edgy and maybe like squarely in the crosshairs. Yeah. Well, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Because, I mean, I'm sure there were like, <laughs> I'm sure there were porns that weren't, you know, violent ones that are getting caught in the crosshairs just because they weren't, uh, just because they weren't verified. And, and like nobody else was making the connection to YouTube. I, I haven't seen anyone else compare that, but like they're both video serving platforms. Well, I don't see why YouTube wouldn't do that. You know, honestly, it's much, le it's much less riskier for them. They just control all the content. So how do you think about de-risking that element? I'm sure having an email list is a, is a part of that, but like what else as you know, that's really partially, once you start to build some momentum, it's seeking opportunities, but it's also de-risking the, the things that could be the most um, catastrophic to what you're building. So I don't think we're doing the best at this. I think we're very heavily into YouTube. But I mean, I think having software, having recurring systems like that, and having cold email as one of our main channels, all, all of that could help. And I also think like, I'm, I'm the type of guy who I would, I would wait for them to do one of those moves and then react at that point. Like when COVID happened, that's when I started freaking out and started growing. You know, I was like, oh, our revenue's tanking. I wasn't like, you know, looking at all the news being like, oh, COVID might happen. What am I going to do to prep? No, I'm just kind of taking it as it happens. And that's possible also partially from like a confidence from having done it before and figured it out in the past. Sort of. I think it's, um, I don't know. I, I think I just love, I, I, I have tunnel vision sometimes. Like I, I know when COVID happened, I was so stressed that I would listen to like, the reports, like I, I was looking at like the McKinsey business reports because I was like, these business consultants, they consult with billion dollar businesses. They know what's up. And I just like literally couldn't even focus my eyeballs on the reports. So I had uh, the text to speech read it to me while I just sat there in bed and started playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> but it worked, you know, eventually it did sink in. I was like, oh, wait, you know, after like a day of listening to this stuff, I'm like, you know, businesses are still surviving. McDonald's is still around, you know, Home Depot is still around. Why would, why would online education and lead generation die when everyone's going online. It doesn't make any sense. In fact, it's probably going to be stronger. And it was. And this was a record year for us. <laughs> I have it all written in this board. We started basically we four, four, literally 4X'd our, uh, our course. <laughs> Revenue. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, you've answered all the questions that I've had prepared uh, spectacularly. So I'm going to ask the standard last two before we do that. Anything else you're hoping to share that I just didn't give you the chance to? No, I think we hit everything I've been thinking about recently. <laughs> right on. Well, if folks want to follow along, uh, learn more about Experiment 27, you, all the different stuff you're working on, what digital coordinates can we provide them? 
Uh, the best place to go is alexberman.com. That just goes to the YouTube channel. So you can watch all the free videos. If you really want to start your business, you want to start working with clients that can afford to pay you more. You want to stop selling $100 things, start selling $1,000 things, $10,000 things. I would highly recommend jumping into email 10K. Uh, you can see that video at email10k.com. Right on. We're going to link that in the show notes. It's in the podcast app where you're probably listening to this or for every single episode of the show, going deepwithaaron.com slash podcast. Uh, but before we let Alex go, I'm going to give him the mic one final time to issue an actionable personal challenge to the audience. Actionable personal challenge. I would say, actually just inspired by how we met, so I met Aaron when he was, he, what, actually you want to, uh, it's going to tie in. Can you tell him how we met? Yes. So I, uh, I was thinking about starting Piper. I'd actually had the idea, but I had not yet acted upon it. And I was not even, I don't even know if I was necessarily looking for like a cosign or permission or an acknowledgement, but I was just trying to even understand what it might mean to start a digital agency and what that would entail. And I happened to cross what at the time was the digital agency podcast, which you've since renamed to the Alex Berman show. And you just were interviewing agency owner after agency owner after agency owner. And I had like a five or six hour drive and I, I binged like I'm, you know, listening at one and a half, two X speed or something, probably binged who knows, 30 episodes over five, six hours. And then I just cold emailed you with, with no real agenda. I was just like, dude, I just listened to your voice for five and a half hours, learned a ton. Thank you. You know, I, I don't know exactly what the sign up was, but that was our first point of contact. And you introduced me to uh, Patrick Bet David's YouTube channel uh, before he like really blew up, which was really cool. Yeah, that was really awesome. Um, and thanks for reaching out. And I think it's amazing all the success you've had so far. This is so cool. Even just this, this platform, you've had so many amazing guests. Noah was on here, dude. He's a huge mentor of mine. Uh, Ryan, who I've bought, I bought simple apps from Ryan, uh, Ryan Colt. Um, no, so I would say homework is do what you did. Find somebody who you look up to, cold email them and ask them, you know, talk, talk about how big of a fan you are and ask if they want to hang, you know, ask if they want to call. That's your Absolutely. homework. Someone you think and would be unreachable, but that has, has had some impression on you, right? Like don't just email Tom Hanks, email somebody who you think <laughs> could actually benefit you in some way. And I think that the specificity, I mean, that's part, part back to like the, the pretense of cold email is the specificity of like, Hey, I'm really enjoying this very specific thing. Or you've had this very tangible impact on me is an amazing first impression to have with anyone. Yeah. hundred percent. So, I, I mean, it's very possible. I would say if you're at home, you know, right after this podcast is done, just open up Gmail, just write an email, you know, remember what we were talking about, compliment them, talk about in one sentence, how you're qualified and then ask them for something. Just three sentences, one to three sentences right there. Right on. Well, Alex, it's been great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. We just went deep with Alex Berman. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. so much for listening to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. If you enjoyed this conversation with Alex uh, and this style of interview, this style of conversation, then I think you'll also enjoy our past interview with Ryan Culp. Ryan is a similar polymath who has accomplished a lot at a relatively young age. Uh, after the interview, he's since gone on to try and pursue K-pop stardom, but we primarily talk about entrepreneurship, uh, building businesses that are not venture-backed, the opportunities when you compete in less competitive arenas and much much more i'm gonna link that in the show notes as well and i uh, hope that you'll stay tuned for future episodes of going deep there in watson thanks for listening connect with aaron on twitter and instagram at aaron watson 59